Just like I said, we'd be back. This is For the Glory KC, where we bring a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, Associate Editor at KCSoccerJournal.com, who's going to take you a little more in-depth. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, the best in the world, Sheena Smith, who gives that more casual perspective. What's up, Sheena? Wow, the best in the world? That's you, pretty high you know praise. Do you know whose nickname that is? Oh, no. I thought you just said I was the best in the world. No, you know you get a wrestling nickname when sporting win. And that's CM Punk, who was fired unceremoniously by AEW this weekend for punching yet another colleague in the face. So that's a life lesson to y'all. Don't punch your colleagues in the face at work. You might get away with it once, but not twice. So, oh, <laughs> boy. Real punches in the face, not, not uh, work not punches. Not fake ones. Yeah. On today's show... Kansas City is the soccer capital. Suck it, St. Louis. The KC Current are all but eliminated. An update on that Jenny Hermoso, Luis Robles story, and the digital crawl, y'all. But, Sheena, we're known for nonsense, as if we haven't already done some nonsense to start this episode. <laughs> what do you got for me? Well, I was going to just tell the listeners that I am drinking on the podcast tonight. I don't even think you know I'm drinking, but I just felt like... I've had a long day, so I'm having a cork peach apricot whip, which is the one I haven't had ever because apricot in a drink doesn't sound appealing. Not bad. The peach really helps the whip part of it. So The apricot uh, part of it, you mean? Yeah, the apricot. Peach helps the apricot part? It helps the whip <laughs> part? <laughs> Sheena, how many of those have you had? Are you sure you I've, just took your first sip? <laughs> I've only had three little sips, so that's where I'm at. <laughs> I like how you are like, I've had a hard day and you what went to the farmer's market, went <laughs> out to lunch with your friends and then got your hair done for like six hours or something insane. Okay. So it sounds pretty I didn't wicked, say a pretty hard day. I said long day. Have you noticed that you say wicked a lot on the podcast? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I like to say it, but it's, you know, I, uh, Boston. I don't know. <laughs> I have no reason You've to never say it. it been to no Boston. <laughs> Um, I have a cousin that used to live there. So basically I'm Bostonian, I think is how that works. All okay. right, let's talk soccer. Let's get to the thing that people are here for. Cause we, we got a lot to talk about sporting KC hosted St. Louis city SC city. I was supposed to yell. I forgot. Oh, uh, for the first time ever. Uh, attendance record for the regular season, by the way, uh, which is, you know, credit to all those pink shirts that were in the crowd because there were a lot of St. Louis fans present. I was like a little, I was both happy to see that it was rowdy and loud and I could hear them chanting before I even got into the stadium. And I was like, oh, it's going to make for a fun atmosphere. But then there were a lot of sporting KC season ticket holders that had sold their tickets off to St. Louis people, which I understand. Sporting are still below the playoff line, so even though they've won a couple in a row, I get it, but it's still kind of a bummer. Hopefully this this kind of gets things going and gets things revived. Uh, you, Sheena, were not at the game, but we're watching on TV. How did the atmosphere come through on, on your television set? It was definitely loud there. I couldn't always at times make out if it was sporting fans chanting or St. Louis City fans, I guess, because I have to yell city. Yeah, don't, we don't have to do that. It's stupid, why? but it is all in caps. They they put it in caps. Oh, I don't know if you've seen this. Okay, no, I didn't know why we were having to shout it. But yeah, don't. Yeah. Do it. I was. I don't know why I embraced it for a second. It was terrible. Yeah, so I couldn't tell who at times was chanting. It was allowed. I think it was maybe towards the end of the first half. Maybe it was part of the second half. It seemed like at times both teams or both fans were chanting um, because they were upset with the refing because the ref wasn't calling anything. So, yeah, it was definitely oh, yeah. louder than most of the home games I've watched this season. And I think it made sporting fans be louder, too, because they didn't want to underperform. But there were For less sure. St. Louis fans, you know, less of them in the crowd, and they were still very, very loud. So oh, yeah. credit to them. Credit to yeah. the support. I like the rivalry that's building. I'm not going to hate on everything, but I am glad that they lost because uh, I, I could not have stomached a second loss to St. Louis, but there'll be one more chance later this season. Uh, your confusion about the chanting, I think, is well warranted because at one point the Cauldron was doing a chant, and then as soon as they stopped it, St. Louis did their modified version of that chant. I was like, this is soccer. It's like they just, you know, they all use the same chants. There's some unique songs that get sung at some point, but a lot of the ones are really common that get used from stadium to stadium. You know what it reminds me of is when we had Phoenix Rising tickets and the two supporter sections 
we would sit in the supporter section and they would have split supporter sections that would do separate chants. It was very, and we would always sit in the middle. So we had a good, we could see the field well. And it felt like it, it was very distracting to watch the game when you're hearing two separate chants going on at the same time. So. Yeah, I think when they moved stadiums, they fixed that and got the supporters to finally all sit together. But that was super good. weird at Phoenix Rising. Yeah. I hated that forever. All right, but let's get to the action on the field. Honestly, it was a little back and forth, a little uneasy for the first few minutes of the game, and then kind of a disastrous start because St. Louis steals the ball, steals, fouls to get the ball, and then immediately goes down and scores a pretty low percentage chance from like the edge slash outside the box and cut it across to the side netting. I thought for sure Felipe Gutierrez was fouled. What was your thought on that? It felt like deja vu. It felt exactly like how the game against St. Louis started last time, where I thought Remy and Gotti had been fouled leading to goals. I definitely did feel like deja vu for me as well. I wasn't sure what game it felt like deja vu for, so it must have been St. Louis. But yeah, I definitely thought Felipe Gutierrez was fouled, and I was surprised that didn't get called back. But I completely understood how St. Louis was able to score because I think everybody on sporting also thought, or at least some of the players thought it was going to be a foul and they just kind of stopped. It looked like. And so of course that guy was able to run down the field um, and of course score. So it was just unfortunate and I was waiting for it to get overturned and then it didn't. And I was like, Oh, this isn't good. This is a bad look for this ref. But the bad looks just continued all night for him. He wasn't really calling anything. And then in the second half, he randomly was starting to call a lot of things. Like we had quite a few um, free kicks and stuff. And St. Louis had a few um, free kicks We'll get as to well. that refing. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I was... I'll tell y'all, I watched it in the stadium live, thought it was a foul. Then I, like a psycho, rewatched the game today while Sheena was gone for all these hours. And it definitely was a foul. He grabs, pulls his arm back, it gets him off balance, and he and Gutierrez starts to fall, and then the player takes the ball away. I couldn't even tell from the replay. Somebody was saying he didn't even touch the ball, like that he just basically knocked Gutierrez over, and that's what clear you know made the ball become available. But yeah, I felt really I felt this sinking feeling in my stomach of, oh boy, you know, here we go again. They didn't call him last game. And if they never called that play where a foul happens and then a goal is scored, you know, seconds or, you know, 27 seconds or whatever it was against Sporting when they played LAFC, if they never did that, like, it's a rule, but it never gets enforced, then it'd be easier to stomach. But the fact that Sporting had a draw taken out of their hands because of a Kyrie Shelton foul that... I think it was 27 seconds later, they scored a goal where they backpassed it and all kinds of stuff. So, of course, that's how it goes. But to Sporting's credit, they got over the whining that they were doing on the field, which I agree. They were complaining. There were several players kind of surrounding the ref, uh, and they responded. Uh, great goals by Alan Polito. But honestly, the goals, I shouldn't even call the goals great. The second shot was pretty good. Really good assists that set up the goal. Eric Tommy sets up the first one with this beautiful chip. He's surrounded by like six St. Louis players. He chips them all to Daniel Shallowy. A little hint of offside on that play, but apparently it was checked and he wasn't offside. And then he slots it across to Polito for a tap-in. And then on the other goal, Jake Davis, little give-and-go with Eric Tommy down the sideline, dribbles like three St. Louis defenders and cuts the ball back perfectly for Polito to lace it through some defenders into the net. Sporting her up 2-1 at the half, and they would never look back. That would be all it took for them to win the game. Uh, St. Louis actually only had two shots on goal the entire game. And according to multiple sites, just a 0.3 expected goals. That shows you how low percentage their two chances were that they had. And the fact that they scored one of them continues their trend of outperforming, you know, what they should be doing. Sheena, thoughts on the goals, the assists, the action, the response. What are you thinking? Well, one thing is that they did technically have a second goal, but it got called back for, I believe they were offsides. Then they technically didn't have a second goal because yeah. it was offside. But yes, I see your point. That that doesn't go into their expected goal number because uh, that shot, quote, didn't happen because they were okay. offside. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it really didn't feel like they had very many chances. So that kind of adds up. But yeah, I mean, I think we one thing I appreciated about this game compared to the game we played against them earlier this season is that 
the game plan was to match their intensity where I don't feel like that happened the first game. The first game we look exhausted and granted we were in a three game stretch. So we were exhausted because we didn't rotate players, but we even had different players from tonight's or last night's game to the following game or last week's. Wow. I can't talk last week's game and yesterday's game, different, some different players. So I think that helped. And so I, I just like that we matched their intensity. So when St. Louis started being physical, we kind of got physical too. And because the ref wasn't calling anything that it became a physical game. Yeah. Let's talk about the refereeing. Cause we, we keep bringing it up and it's hard to avoid after the match. Peter Vermees said that he liked the refereeing from Alan Chapman. And I was just stunned because I was thinking, is he only saying that? Is he like trolling the league right now and just saying this like comedically? I didn't go to the press conference. Y'all might be able to hear it in my voice. I was a little sick this week and I didn't want to risk, you know, going and infecting anybody. I told my media colleagues, I was like, I, I don't mind risking infecting you clearly because I'm up here in the press box, but I don't want to go risk <laughs> infecting the players and the coaches. They all laughed about it. They thought it was good. I, I feel immensely better than I did on Thursday. I'll tell you that. But I, I thought Alan Chapman was terrible. Honestly, I thought he was letting everything go, which was kind of Vermees's thing. He said he, he let him play. He knew it was a rivalry game and he let him play. If, that's what Sporting knew going into the game. They didn't start the game that way. They didn't seem like they were ready to play physical because St. Louis was knocking them off the ball early. You know, of course, led to their first goal. But to your credit, yes, I agree with you 100%. They turned it around and they started playing physical back and they weren't the calls weren't being made. So they did adapt. They did adjust. But I've got a lot of complaints about the refereeing. Where do you want to start, Sheena? I mean, I will say this, that he was consistent in that he wasn't calling anything. So nobody really had an advantage because it wasn't like we were getting a bunch of calls towards us and St. Louis wasn't or vice versa. So I guess maybe you could be happy that nobody was getting anything called as opposed to one team over the other. No, I might be biased. I might be biased because I just kept thinking like maybe it was what you were saying before, where in the second half, it seemed like he was suddenly calling some stuff. I felt like there would be times where a sporting player would get drugged down by their jersey or by their arm and he wouldn't call anything. And then like within a minute, the other direction, he'd call some ticky tacky little bump and he called a foul against sporting. And I'm pr- I know I'm biased. I know I'm biased. I think but... you're biased because I maybe I'm misremembering the game, but I felt like even when he did start calling fouls, it favors sporting. I don't feel like it, really St. Louis ever had the upper hand in that. And I could be completely wrong, but it definitely felt like there was more fouls called against St. Louis and that benefited us than the other way around. Well, I'll give you a little bit of a stat here while I look up who actually had the most fouls in this game. Going into the match, St. Louis had committed the most fouls of anybody in Major League Soccer. And going into the match, Sporting had committed the second fewest fouls of anybody in the league. So that kind of shows to me that this that style of letting them play does not favor Sporting KC because they don't foul teams, right? But St. Louis, that's their style. Is to, They don't want long possessions. They want to create chaos and foul and break up play or not get called for fouls and then get, get counters off that. Uh, St. Louis did get called for 15 fouls. Sporting got called for nine. And I thought some of the ones called against Sporting were super, super light compared to some of the no calls. Now, I'm not going to act like Sporting didn't commit some fouls that weren't called because they absolutely did. In the first half, do you remember... Johnny Russell, like going to the ground and taking a guy out. I went back and made a gif of it. He goes studs right into the guy's shin. Yeah. I don't know if there was a ton of force or not, but it was a foul and it probably should have been a yellow card. Uh, by the way, Sporting won the yellow card battle three to two, but two of them were for time wasting. So one on Polito and one on Melia. And then only Roger got a foul for actual soccer stuff. But St. Louis only got one for actual soccer stuff and another one for dissent from their striker complaining about. I don't know, a non-called handball or something. One of their many times they were complaining. I think that it was, I almost found amusing that the first yellow of the game was Polito when he kicked the ball away. And it's like, there could have been so many other times you gave a yellow. And this, granted, I know it's not supposed to be tolerated in the league this season. I get all that, but it felt so petty in comparison to some of the other things that should have been 
falls like you mentioned, Johnny Russell. I definitely, when it happened in the moment, I was like, how is that not a yellow? So, you know, it, it was not great calling it. It just felt like he wasn't in the mood and maybe it's what you were saying that he knows it's a rivalry game and he wants them to play. Yeah. But it's like in the playoffs. Yeah. It's like in the playoffs. I I hate it. Like if it's a foul, it's a foul and you should call it. And if it's a yellow, it's a yellow and you should give it because it sets the tone to go, Hey, if you're going to clean a guy out, you should get a yellow. Russell would have had a yellow for a long time in that game. Had he gotten that. But then later, Russell gets rolled up on from behind a guy like tackles him, gets the ball and then rolls his ankle, which I'm like, oh, my gosh, he just missed time for a rolled ankle. Like, let's not have this happen again. And didn't didn't even whistle a foul for either of the plays that Russell was on either side of. Both should have been fouls. Probably both should have been yellows and fouls weren't even given. So but then fouls for like a little nudge would be a foul. And I'm like, yeah, it's just. It's inconsistent, which is my my biggest problem with refereeing. I think in the end, maybe it all leveled out because there's so many questionable calls on the night. Uh, the St. Louis fans are very upset about phantom offside calls, but they were definitely offside on their goal. I've, I've seen the freeze frame. It is incredibly close. Like It's to the point where if you didn't call it live on the field, you might not go back and change it. But I think they got it right. So kudos to that assistant referee. She was uh, all over it, saving Sporting Casey's butt, raising her flag over there at the right time. So, uh, Lucina, let's talk. Speaking of bad refereeing, let's talk about this Indenbe play earlier in the game. Indenbe. I can never pronounce Logan's Indenbe. name. I should just call him Logan. Yeah, it's there's no M in there, but I said I make it sound like there is. Um, so uh, early in the game, he gets chopped down outside of the box and well the referee says it's outside of the box but then the replay seems to show tim parker's leg is well inside the box and at worst i think his knee is above the the line for the 18 yard box which on the line is in the box which i had to inform some st louis fans of on twitter they're like you can clearly see logan's foot is outside the box i'm like but his knee is on the line and that's in the box and that's what was struck it's kind of like they don't understand if the ball doesn't go completely over the line it's not out of bounds because it's different than like in basketball if you step on the line you're out versus in soccer you could be running out of bounds as long as the ball isn't completely out of bounds so what what did you think was it should have been a pk on the foul against logan i honestly don't know enough to say it should or it shouldn't but the the commentators, I believe, were surprised that it wasn't a PK. So based on them being surprised about it. I listened to them back and they, they didn't actually spend much time on it. They were surprised at a few of the non-calls oh, and maybe non-yellows given at other times. Uh, but that's a good point because he fouls Logan as he's going into the box. Even if we say, you know, I think probably what it was when I looked at the two replay angles that MLS showed is that it was super close. And because he hadn't called it a penalty live, it's not clear and obvious. So you don't overturn it, which I can live with that explanation. But then why doesn't he get a yellow? He's going into the box about to score. If he doesn't get tripped right there, that's the definition of a yellow card. You stopped a promising attack. And then Tim Parker, their center back, has to play the game wildly different if he's on a yellow for so long. And he was pretty physical. He was getting into some challenges. I mean, he's a he's a wily MLS veteran. He knows what he's doing. But I think he uh, probably should have got a yellow. Sheena, I think I shared this story with you on Twitter. Somebody said he intentionally fouled him just outside the box because he's a veteran and he knows what he's doing and he knows not to do it in the box. So instead of intentionally making a good tackle, he intentionally fouled him like these St. Louis fans on Twitter, it was pretty hilarious. I'm sure there's some dummy sporting fans on Twitter too, and I probably just muted them, so I'm not hearing from them anymore. But <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on that before we talk about? Are there any other calls in general that are are like kind of ringing in your ear from the game? Because I feel like I could probably do a whole podcast on referee complaining if you really wanted me to. I personally don't want to hear that, so I'll just speak on behalf of our audience, and they. Most likely don't either. But if you do, let Chad know and he can do a one-off and talk to you all about that. But I don't want to hear it for the whole time we're here together talking. I was going to say, oh, I was going to say, before we move off a refereeing, did you think Andre Fontes had a handball in the box? Were you nervous that that was a handball? I don't know that I was nervous, uh, at least not at first. And then the commentators seemed to think that it wasn't one if i remember right so yeah. 
Yeah. So once uh, they kind of gave their two cents, I thought they were, I don't know who they were, but they seemed fairly unbiased, I thought. Yeah, it was Chris Whittingham and Laura Lindsay. And yeah, I think they said Fonsis got his hand out of the way, which is what it looked like to me live too from the initial replays. And then... They, I did later see an angle from behind the goal where I don't know where it came from. Someone just sent it to me on Twitter. And it does kind of look like his arm is moving because the ball's hitting it. But then from the front angle, you can see his arm moving before the ball gets there, trying to like get out of the way. So I think that's another one of those where, well, the ref was right there, so he saw it. And probably the VAR said it's not clear and obvious based on these angles, so we're going to stick with the original call on the field. There was... Uh, somebody said to me on Twitter, and I thought this was a pretty good take, was that both the St. Louis fans and the Cauldron were chanting, ref, you suck, at different points of the game, which probably means he didn't give any team one great advantage over the other, and maybe it all leveled out in the end, and maybe that's why Peter was like kind of okay with it. I think if you take away every questionable call, uh, the second goal from Sporting would have stood and none of the other goals would have stood. So Sporting would have won one nothing instead of 2-1. to one. So it all probably leveled itself out, give or take. The one thing I was going to say going back to talking about the refs is that I feel like there's been so many games this season just for sporting games. So if it's happening for us, it's probably happening with other teams as well, where the inconsistent refing, I feel like hurts the reputation of MLS. Like you're trying to build this high caliber soccer league, but the inconsistent refing, that's part of the reasons like why, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I'm not into football right, like anymore, but at one point it was the, the refs, like they had bad calls too. And I know they've done a lot to change that. So maybe it wouldn't be a complaint now, but I feel like just the inconsistent roughing during these games it really to me it came across that he w- he wasn't doing his job last night and it felt like he didn't want to be there like just bl- if i can see that things should be a foul and i'm a very casual fan like you should be able to see that so i don't know i think it that i get it it's a it's a rivalry but that doesn't mean you can't take the night off just cuz it's a rivalry like you still need to call things Maybe, you know, when it's clear fouls, like Johnny Russell deserved a yellow, um, you know, stuff like that. Call the big things that let the little pushing and stuff go. But you have to be there that like because you don't have you don't have control of the game when you're not calling anything. Therefore, people on both sides of the team on teams are going to try anything because they know nothing's going to happen. And that puts you at risk of players getting injured like I was really nervous about Johnny Russell him getting injured when he had that one I think it was towards the end of it before he came off or he kind of like rolled his ankle and like I was nervous I was like because he's not calling anything St. Louis is playing erratically and being physical and Johnny Russell could have gotten hurt again thankfully I think he's okay I believe he is. So I didn't get to go to the locker room, so I didn't get to talk to him to see. But uh, miraculous recovery from his ankle injury last week. He was in a walking boot during the week. So pretty crazy to see him come back and play a pretty good stretch of the game and, and play well. So let's talk about some other parts of the match because, yeah, probably a little too much hating on poor Alan Chapman here. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts, Sheena. I Going into the game, I was like, I just need Sporting to win this game. I mean, both for playoff reasons and mostly because I can't listen to St. Louis people who invented soccer in the year 2023 talk about soccer anymore. So late on, though, I I really wanted Sporting to crush them, of course, right? St. Louis had crushed Sporting earlier in the season and similar circumstances coming to this game. St. Louis didn't get the middle of the week off, like Sporting didn't get the middle of the week off earlier. Although St. Louis kind of got away with it a little bit because Dallas got a red card in the 12th minute on Wednesday, so they didn't have to play nearly as hard. And it was their goalkeeper, so they had to make a sub to put another goalkeeper on. That was a fun one. So I was thinking, late on, I wanted some more goals. And there were chances. Daniel's shallowy. How does Daniel not score on that counter where he gets the ball and he's one-on-one with the keeper and he gets two separate shots off? What what, what were you thinking on that? Did you think he was going to score? I was like blown away that Roman Berkey saved both of them. Well, I was blown away that Shallowy didn't score because he was one-on-one with the keeper. And I'm like, when you're in that situation, I feel like it's so rare that players are one-on-one with the goalie. You have to score. I mean, I think 
one of the shots, he, it went right to him. And it's like, you have to figure out a way to get around him, especially when you're not being covered by anyone. Like there's no reason he shouldn't have scored again. And he took too much time for me. Like when yeah. he got that ball, it's like he had too much time to think of what to do. And it allowed the defense to get set and Roman Berkey to get in front of him. I don't, I don't know. It was, it was bizarre. And then a little bit after that, did you see Kyrie, who, by the way, got a cheer when he came on the field? And I was like, did sporting fans change their mind on Kyrie? Because he has played better in recent weeks. Or was this St. Louis fans cheering, knowing that Kyrie was coming oh. in the game? I couldn't tell for sure. So. Oh, I didn't even hear that. I couldn't tell when he came on. I yeah, there was definitely an cheering. audible cheer. And it could just be the crowd was just way more into the game than usual. They're yeah. trying to you know, be louder than the St. Louis people, which I thought was great. Uh, but then... He gets this great ball over the top to him on a breakaway, and then he like leaps through the air awkwardly and loses it when he just looked like it was going to fall right in front of him, and all he had to do was take a touch and shoot it. And of co- I was like, of course, of course. And I think Mike on Twitter said down the byline, uh, my colleague over the KC Soccer Journal, anyone but Shelton finishes that, which, you know, anyone yeah. but Shelton, or maybe shallowy based on the previous <laughs> sequence. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was super awkward. And I was like, of course, I just, I'm glad they won. But it made the last few minutes so nervy because they could have been at three one or four one easily or three nothing, four nothing if you know that that first goal didn't count for St. Louis, as I argue it should not have. <laughs> it did, especially when it showed six minutes of stoppage time. I was like, oh man, like I thought for sure we might give it up because I feel like we're notorious for giving up late goals and I'm with you a draw. I mean, it's better than losing, but we really needed to win this game for multiple reasons, but really it, I'm glad we were able to hold off, but you know, I was hoping, I felt like the game, it was a weird game. Maybe it was because of the lack of play, like not calling plays, but I was, I tweeted this, like if there's ever a time for Kyrie to maybe come in and be the hero tonight could be it. Cause it's been a weird game. Like that felt like it could have stacked up if like he had a goal. I'd be like, well, that makes sense. This has been a kind of a weird and wild game. Like that would make sense. So he wasn't the hero, but he also wasn't the screw up. And that was one thing that I felt was a real improvement on the team is that I don't feel like anybody played bad. I mean, there was Shallowy missing that goal was unfortunate, but like overall, I think he played a decent game. There's not really anybody where I was like, man, they screwed up. And I was really nervous about the defense. I wasn't sure they would be able to hold up. I thought Rosero played a fantastic game last night. Um, Fontes, he did fine. Jake Davis did really good. I, in Dembe, was, I thought, lights out. He played, like I already said, fantastic. But he also played really, really great soccer last night. He was everywhere. And so... I was pretty impressed with everyone. Do you feel like everybody played exceptional last night or played well? Like, do you feel like there was a weak link on the team? Because I, as a casual person, I couldn't tell who the weak link was. No, I think that's fair. I think there were individual mistakes, but the players were there to help make up for it, right? Sometimes you'll see a situation where a guy messes up and then people don't hustle to cover him for it cover for that player and they were all hustling to cover for each other they're all playing as a unit playing as a team i'm specifically remembering like early in the game fontes had a couple of those passes where he tries to cut through a bunch of lines and he turned it over but then nothing really happened late in the game jake had a couple times where he went up to steal a ball and didn't get it and then st louis was coming down his side and other people had to cover but like remy was on that side so he's getting over there and covering because he's got a motor for days so yeah i don't think anybody i mean they weren't perfect games right because they were have scored more goals and you know things would have gone a little differently if it was you know perfect fantastic stupendous whatever fancy word you want to use here but i think on the whole they played as a team really well and no one made any horribly egregious mistakes i saw some people giving davis some grief for the the goal he gave up but he he forces the player out wide which is kind of what you want generally speaking because it's a tougher angle to shoot at he just placed it perfectly across the box and into the side netting. That striker, too, I'm forgetting his name right now. He was so tall. He was like 6'5". Yeah. He made everybody look so short around him. It was really throwing me off. And apparently he was like in the USL championship, and they just brought him up. I have to get uh, a, a, a dinner in, is how you say the guy's name, I guess. I'm not sure I'm saying it wrong. But I have to give St. Louis credit. I don't know like half their players. 
and they're cons- they're the first place team in the West. They were missing some of their starters. Some of their starters came off the bench, and they still they still seem to find a way to win. Versus like when Sporting are missing their best players, they look like hot garbage. So credit to their system, credit to their coach, credit to their general manager for building the team they've built. I think they still are outperforming what they're going to ultimately be in the end, and I'm hoping they get kicked in the face when the playoffs start. Ooh, which actually brings me to an idea, Sheena. What? Sporting right now are still outside the playoffs, but if they were to climb into 8th or ninth, that'd be the play-in game, and then if they win that, they would be the 8th seed, or you know, whatever, they'd be the last seed that made the playoffs, because the play-in game I don't really consider to be part of the playoffs. Then they'd play the number one seed in a three-game series, and right now, St. Louis is the number one seed. It'd be two games in St. Louis, one in KC. How wild would that be to have a potentially three-game playoff series between these teams? Woo-hoo, man. It would be quite uh, – it would be an experience for sure. I did see people on Twitter saying there was no roughing because they want – MLS wants sporting to win. I'm sure these were St. Louis people who were saying this. That they yes, want MLS wants Sporting Kansas City. Yeah. Sporting fans are always saying MLS wants their new toy, St. Louis, to win, <laughs> and they give them all the favorable calls too. So yeah. you know, I there's don't people know, saying but... crazy things. I don't think MLS probably wants like Messi to win and wants LA teams and New York teams to win. But I think in general, they they're not. I don't. There's no fixing going on. It's just incompetence, y'all. When the referees make bad calls, it's just incompetence inconsistency it's not a grand conspiracy i'm not buying that i don't think mls cares that much about the midwest personally like like you but were do you saying think they favor they favor their expansion teams to a certain extent because yeah. they're always talking about these expansion teams but i i don't think to a point where they would cheat to help st louis win games yeah i first of all i don't think that either and i don't think st louis would I would hope would not want to be part of that if they knew that's what was happening. So I don't think any oh, team would want to be a part of it's all like, happening a under rich the surface, thing. Sheena. Oh, they, I, they don't know about it. It's all under the surface. It's all secret. Okay. Can I yeah, just I say know, it's nonsense? Yeah. Uh, going back though to how well the team was playing, I together I feel like that's also a a big difference. Like not that we play bad together as a team, but it felt like they were really to. Like they were really in sync, and I think immediately of my favorite pop band from high school. But they were in sync together last night. And why are you laughing? Oh, I just—it's such <laughs> terrible music, but it's fine. Whatever, to each it's, their own. You're allowed to like catchy. what you like. Okay, it's not all I listen to. I don't ever listen no, to them I, you now. Have a- Diverse musical taste. I, I do. I'm the one that lacks diverse musical tastes for it's sure. True. But I yeah, I mean, exact same stuff from high school and early college. So it's true. I can confirm this, but yeah, I, I just feel like they were really in tuned with each other last night and they played together well as a team and they were covering for each other. And there's just like a few random comments I got to get out there. Remy, when he is like, he's had some time and he's refreshed and rejuvenated like he is so good on the ball he's so fast but he just had a few really good moves last night with the ball and I was just like oh my gosh like it it was impressive and Polito as well he is another one who's really good on the ball just with like the way he can bring a ball down and stuff so I I was just super impressed as a whole though with the team I thought they were really in tune with one another I'm trying not to say in sync but I I see you struggling with it it. I know. Can I give you a couple <laughs> couple stats before we get to our break here? So sure. St. Louis has never lost in their long, illustrious, what less than a season history when they score first. So Sporting were the first to come back and defeat them after St. Louis scored first. And in standings-related news, Sporting KC are in 11th. So I think that's where they were going into the week. But now they're just two points out of the play-in playoff spot with FC Dallas. One point behind Austin in 10th, uh, four points behind San Jose in 8th, and four points behind Minnesota in 7th. Most of the teams now have played 27 games. Minnesota and Dallas have only played 26, and a few other teams are kind of all in that area. But the teams they're chasing mostly are on the same amount of games or one less. So if things keep going this way, Sporting keep winning games. They may make the playoffs. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We got more soccer ahead. But let's take a break. 
And we'll come back after this with more For the Glory, KC. And we are back. All right, Sheena. Let's talk KC Current. We're going to make this quick because the current season is over. Not officially, but basically. Uh, I have told you all before, they needed to win all their games. Sheena would love to comment on the KC Current Angel City game, except for she was binge watching, what is it called? Never Have I Ever on Netflix oh instead gosh, of watching I the current game. Ne- yeah, I love Never Have I Ever. And like the new season came out a while ago. And I've just been like, I don't want to start it because I don't want it to end. And I knew once I started it, I'd binge it and I would watch it all in one day. And that's exactly what happened. And I had every intention. I feel like at Friday night games are the nights I like to binge watch stuff because this is the second time I've binged over watching Casey Current. Maybe it's because they aren't playing so hot. I'm just not as invested Oh, but Chad, I did see the stadium today because I drove by it when I was on my way to my hair appointment. Ooh, it looks real good. I'm real excited about it. Like, I might need season tickets if they're still available. I don't think they They are. are not. I think they've sold out um, their allotment of season tickets. Ah, That might not be right, but the prices are really high. They're actually higher than sporting KC tickets on a per game basis, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. That is crazy. Considering how bad they are right now. Yeah, I know. Well, I think they're going to be bitter, but I thought that going into the year that they'd be a contender. So uh, I'll save you some time, Sheena, since you're not going to go back and watch it. Uh, They lost. It didn't go well. Uh, For the beginning of the game, they both teams honestly had quite a few chances to start the match off. Uh, AD French made a really big save. Uh, Kristen Hamilton had a really good chance. Just didn't quite hit it perfectly right, Uh, but she got in deep on the uh, defense of Angel City from a really good Michelle Cooper switch pass. Michelle Cooper's really coming into her own. I'm I'm looking forward to year two of her. And there's still stuff to look forward this year. We'll get to it. Uh, second half subs, uh, they brought on May- Haley Mace, who didn't start the game, which is kind of weird because Dabinia was back. And Steen Balasager, I'm sure I'm saying her name wrong. Sorry, Steen, I can't figure it out. Uh, she came on for Elizabeth Ball, which was kind of weird. Maybe because they're saving legs for Wednesday in the Challenge Cup. But she kind of had a rough debut, Steen. She uh, lost a few passes, just wasn't quite in sync with her teammates. Oh, see, I did it there. Um, <laughs> uh, the KC Current basically never looked likely to score after Angel City got a goal. They got up one nothing on a kind of a weird pinging around ball that bounced around inside the box. It went off the hand of an L.A. player, but it was at her side, so they're saying it wasn't anything, and the person that handled the ball didn't score. So I guess that's a rule. I don't know. Uh, Michelle Cooper did pick up a yellow card, so she's going to be suspended for yellow card accumulation against the San Diego Wave, but she'll be available for the Challenge Cup, so that's important. And then some kind of announcements that happened during the game. Uh, Claire Lavoger returned from her ACL injury. She hasn't played since the 2022 playoffs. She got back in and played for a few minutes. And the new Brazilian center back signing Lauren was on the bench, but she did not get into the game. So overall, it just seems the team is far too talented, even with the amount of the massive amount of injuries that they are still still dealing with. They have players that haven't played a single minute. That was Lavoger's first minute. Desi Scott still hasn't played a minute. Uh, Sam Mewis is not going to play, maybe never play for the team. And I don't know. It's like, yes, you're missing players. Yes, even players that have been back for a while missed huge chunks of the season. Lola Bonta missed a lot of the season. The aforementioned Kristen Hamilton. I still think they got to get more out of that talent, which I think probably means a coaching change is coming. So we'll see if that happens. I want to see probably what happens in the Challenge Cup. Give, give, uh, Werbloom a chance to try to win that thing, but if she doesn't win it, I think she's probably out of a job. Do you think if her if she wins it, she'll get to keep the job, Sheena? I don't know. I don't feel confident. I I know that she came in a few games into the season, so right or am I wrong on that? Okay, I'm right on that. Chat's thumbs up being me as he's taking a drink. I was taking but... a drink. Yes, three I know. Three, well... oh, three straight losses by Matt Potter, and then he got fired, and she's coached since that point. So I feel like some of these deci- like player decisions, would she have made them if she had been the coach like and got to pick the team to begin with? Well, that's the thing. There's a general manager picking the players, and I don't oh, know. I guess I'm just used to Peter Vermees doing it all, and I forget He does it all, yeah. That's not so, normal. Camille Ashton-Levin, she is the GM, and she built the team, but it's hard to argue that the team isn't really good on paper. It's just they haven't gotten results out of them. So 
do you give them more time for Caroline to figure this out? Or is it just, you know, you tried to implement your system, you could never get it going. I'm sure the players will have a say. If they really like her and fight for her, she might have a chance to stick around. If they don't like her, then maybe she'll be gone. It doesn't, it looks like they want to play attractive soccer, but they don't seem capable of playing it. Like, I don't know if the players just can't play the way she wants them to play or, or what the deal is, but they cannot string together passes. And it is really tough to watch at times, like one or two passes and then a turnover or one or two passes. And then, you know, like just the, they flub it somehow. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not thinking she's going to keep her job, but you never know if you win a trophy. I feel like if, well, it, Definitely feels like if she doesn't win the cup, then her chances of being able to continue as the coach to me are very slim. But even if she does, like if you're not winning, because isn't that cup going away after this season? Yeah, it'll exist in a different form. It's not going to be this tournament. There's not going to be a million-dollar prize because it's just going to be a single game between two teams. I forget the qualifications. I think it's the NWSL champion against the regular season's best record. Yeah, so it just feels like that's going away. So you really have to think about who's going to be best for the team as a coach for the whole season. And I don't know that she's it. And not that that it's not fair to her because she didn't get a full season, but she basically did. She got all of three games, but if these players don't work best for her, what she's trying to accomplish, that's also not fair. I don't know. It it feels like if there's a more attractive option that comes up, then it seems like they would jump on that. Especially I feel like they're about to open a new stadium. It's almost like you don't want to lose the fan base in this new stadium. You need to have the best coach forward that's going to produce the best results. And I don't know that she's going to be it. And so it, I'm curious to see what will happen when the season ends. I don't feel confident about her though, being the coach next season. And really, if you're going to get a new coach, you should do it as soon as possible. So the players have as much time as possible to learn a new system and get familiar with a new coach and stuff. I agree. That was actually my point, too, I made online was that after the Challenge Cup is over, win or lose, whatever happens, make your announcement to who your permanent coach is, because that person, whether it's Caroline, Vlatko, somebody else, let them start building over these last few games that are, they're not meaningless. Technically, if everything goes perfect and they win all their games and the results go the right way, they're not mathematically eliminated yet, but they are at the bottom of the standings it's terrible like they've just what a what a fall from grace to go from being in the finals to literally being back in last place again last place that's rough well i think didn't a lot of the players that they signed new this year come in with injuries and they did should that be the general manager's fault should she be fired over this be. because you signed a bunch of her players you know yeah i don't know that the roster was good enough without those injured players. Like maybe their injuries are taking longer to recover than they anticipated. I don't know what the situation is, but it it would be one thing if it was one or two players. But the fact that the injury list has been so long all season, it that's that was a bad decision on the team to bring all the injured players in. I, again, I could understand a couple, but to bring them all in, like you weren't set up for success and you should be starting the beginning of every season with the best chance possible to win. And that just wasn't the case here. Yeah. And I, I don't know for sure if they were all injured coming into the season. Like there's some question if Morgan Gautreau was hurt before the season and then she got a concussion a few games back. And she's not even practicing, so she's probably not returning this year. Vanessa DiBernardo picked up a couple injuries during the season and started the season hurt, but I don't know if that happened in training camp. But there were players that they knew were hurt at the beginning of the year. Sam Mewis they knew was hurt. Uh, Desi Scott they knew was hurt. Hannah Glass, who was brought in a little later, she still hasn't played a minute yet. Either they knew she was hurt. So it's a lot of like knowing you're going to get people back later. And to Cammy's discredit, she didn't go fix the center back problem where they had a really bad center back problem for a huge chunk of the season until it was way too late. She's signed two two center backs, but it's not going to help her this year. Like, and you saw Steen came in and 
did not play great and you know no fault on her i think they're just saving elizabeth ball for the challenge cup but ball and and gabby robinson have really gotten in sync and when they moved Haley mace out of left back into the left wing and let izzy rodriguez play left back they're finding solutions to the problems they have but it's just too late and their offense just is sputtering they cannot they can't finish their chances and they're not gonna win the challenge cup if they keep playing like this but you never know two games only four days apart if they advance they'll play again on saturday both games will be in children's mercy park if they win them so that's cool it's a chance to take home a trophy and to keep having high attendance they it was still a really highly attended game on friday yeah. even though they're so bad it's crazy so i'm i'm i love the kansas cityans for supporting them but if you keep being losers the support will wither away. I think it's just people are start like, it's crazy that people are starting to learn about KC current, but I think that's a lot of why they're selling tickets is that I meet people who are just learning about them and have never been to a game or have just recently gone to their first game. So I think it is appealing and people want to check it out and the tickets are pretty affordable. So I think that helps like, they're not super inexpensive to go check out something you may not know anything about. But I, it's crazy to me that they have such a problem on offense because they have good players and it feels like they should be better in the box and they're not necessarily. So it's just kind of unfortunate all around. Yeah, I think you said not inexpensive, but they are inexpensive. Now, I wonder how that will affect things next year because, yes, you've I sold a lot of season tickets. I said not expensive, but... That's not what I heard. But mm. the listeners, you know, when you call me out on saying something wrong and I call you out on saying something wrong, we have to have people <laughs> tweet at us and tell us who said it right. Although you're going to edit. So who knows what happens to I'm this podcast? Not. I won't oh, edit Oh, you're just going to publish it? Okay, perfect. I am. Perfect. I'm tired. We'll... I've had a long day. Oh, yes. Very long. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to our other topics here. So I want to kind of fall back in and give an update on this whole Spain, Rubiales, Hermoso situation. So I went back and I listened to us discuss it on the first podcast because like, God, I felt like we were kind of joking about it. And I look back and we, we kind of were. But it was like literally minutes after watching the World Cup and we didn't have any context for what was going on. And I remember we were looking stuff up online and people were saying initially that, oh, it was consensual and they both agreed to it. Well, it turned out Luis Rubiales said it was consensual and the Spanish Federation said it was consensual, but not Jenny Hermoso. There is actually a video of her and I'm just taking people's word for it because I don't speak Spanish in the locker room afterwards saying like, I didn't like it. And, but they're like, the players are kind of joking with her and ribbing on her a little bit. So it's like, people couldn't tell if it was a joke at that point or what was going on, but we had none of that context the first time. But I felt, I felt kind of bad about it. Cause when I went back and listened, I, I was too. like, oh man, we were a little yeah. cavalier about it. Cause we're like, who's this goofy man up here hugging everybody and stuff. Yeah. And then we hadn't seen the thing where he's like carrying another player around and grabbing her like upper thighs, lower buttocks area. And then we had seen the kiss on the lips, but we had heard that it was consensual which uh, turns out was not the case so uh i i listened to a podcast on it and i it's probably weird for me to have a podcast and tell you to go listen to another podcast but i recommend y'all go, go check out the espn daily podcast they do a nice like kind of roundup of this and walk through the full timeline check them out they're very professional espn it's like they know what they're doing or something over there it's crazy but they did a really good wrap up on it. A few kind of pieces that I wanted to add in. And then Sheena, if you got any other thoughts, you feel free to jump in here. Uh, the Federation apparently put a ton of pressure on both Hermoso and her family to try to defend Rubiales and get him to not lose his job. Uh, now, though, a huge portion of their players are refusing to play. 11 assistant coaches have resigned, but not the head coach. He, uh, The head coach... Oh, Sheena, I don't know if you saw this. So when Rubiales, he was supposed to resign. They had like announced a press conference where he was going to resign. And you remember the speech in The Wolf of Wall Street where he's like, I'm not going anywhere. That's basically what this thing turned into. And the coach who the players already didn't like and have issues with him, he's like applauding his Wolf of Wall Street style speech. And the men's head coach was there applauding it too. Yeah, not a good look. Uh, some of the assistants, they resigned because the, the Federation was trying to force them to come sit front row and like kind of back him up here. And there's a lot of women coaches on there and they didn't want to be seen that way. So they resigned over it. Get this, Shane. I don't know if you've heard this part of the story. Ruby Alice, his mother, 
thinks that, of course, her son is being treated unfairly. So she went on a hunger strike in a hospital, not a hospital, in a church. But now she's ended up in the hospital because, you know, you got to eat to live. That's kind of an important part of life. Oh, I misunderstood her hunger strike. I thought she was going on a hunger strike because of what her son did and she wasn't in agreement with him. I didn't realize it was in support of him. Oh, yeah. She's wearing her mom goggles, which, you know, your parents are supposed to back you up. I would like to think if my child grows into a monster, which I would hope would not be (laughs) the case. I hope we're doing a good job of parenting her. But if that were to happen, I would like to think I'd go, oh, no, my my child's a monster. I don't know where I went wrong in life. I don't know why she would behave like this. I don't know if monster is the right word. But, you know, if she had some bad, you know, behavior, I would hope hopefully to be fair enough to call it out kind of like johnny russell deserved that yellow card that he didn't get given for the studs up tackle when i when i see it i see it y'all i'm trying i'm trying to be fair um sometimes i just have blinders on and my biases at, at work so well i have mom goggles and my daughter can do no wrong ever so you are such a liar <laughs> I you know. Are, i'm totally kidding complain. <laughs> oh we I are, did that we i are. said that just to get a reaction out of you yeah I think we're very realistic and like yeah. our daughter plays club soccer and we'll like apologize to the parents around and go like, ah, oh, she did not I give don't. good effort on that play. I'm sorry, y'all. Like I do though. Cause I, I feel bad cause she'll like not give effort on a play. And I'm like, kid, I don't care if you play bad. I just want you to try really hard. And that's, that's what I care about is give your best effort. Don't walk around out there, be a good teammate. But anyways, the Rubiales story. So this is kind of where it's all left off. It's terrible behavior by him. I think I can speak for Sheena in saying that we both agree that it's bad behavior. Uh, anything for you sure. want to add, Sheena? Yeah, I mean, I went back and I listened to that original podcast when we were talking about it right after the World Cup. And I was like, oh, this is cringy on our part because I listened to it like a week later when we had more information and I do believe in that. I was like, I heard conflicting information where she didn't like it and then she was okay with it because that was kind of what was going around at the time. But yeah, so I apologize if we offended anyone. We just, we had literally just watched it and then recorded a podcast and there wasn't enough information. But the whole thing is just so disgusting and unfortunate. And the fact that like, Hermoso and her family are trying to be conned into saying she consented to it. Like just the cover up of what they're trying to accomplish is just disgusting. And I can't, I can't even fathom that. I just, I can't get past that part of it. Yeah. It's a really bad look. I I think I said this last week, but if I didn't, I just won't, I'll say it now. I, I think that there was that heat of the moment of like, maybe he's just getting carried away. He's excited. He just won a trophy. His team won the World Cup, you know, and he's the Federation president or whatever. And he could just go, I got caught up in the heat of the moment. What I did was wrong. I apologize, this, that, the yeah. other. But he just, he's hes like that the politician that will never admit they're wrong. And he just keeps doubling down on it. Yeah. Like, oh, it's just such a bad look. Such a bad look. Yeah. And it, yeah, the doubling down is just the part that I can't get past. Like, yeah, you could have just said it was an accident. The fact that they're trying to get her in cahoots with it, it just feels like wrong too. Um, if she was uncomfortable by it, like she was uncomfortable by it and they should be issuing yeah, res- apologies and not threatening her. Yeah. It's- respect her opinion on it, right? It's she's the only yeah. one that knows what she went through and we got to yeah. believe her. If she says it was unwelcome, it's unwelcome. The end. End of story. This is why I feel like a lot of women have a hard time going and reporting things that happen to them because a lot of times people don't believe them and it, yeah. not always, but sometimes it does happen. And that's just unfortunate. If something happens to you, you should be able to report it and not worry about the ramifications. And Yeah. It's a bummer. They haven't even really, yeah. it's like they got to celebrate on the field and they got a parade right when they got home, but they were in the air when the controversy was kind of going crazy because you're traveling for a whole day to get back to Spain and they've not really got to enjoy it. They've just, it's been this distraction the whole time because of this one idiot and his behavior. Yeah. So, and his, a bunch of people defending said idiot. All right, let's move on. Digital crawl time, y'all. So 
a couple of quick items, hopefully, to get you out of here. Uh, Gadi Kinda was called up by the Israeli Israeli national team, and Marinos Janis was called up by Cyprus. So far, Sporting KC has only confirmed the Janis call-up, but theoretically, both will miss the game against Miami next weekend. We don't know for sure until they announce it. Kinda did not play again against St. Louis because of his ankle injury. It was questionable, so maybe that's why they haven't announced it. Maybe he's not going to go if he's hurt which would make sense. You wouldn't travel. Gio Reyna didn't make the men's national team because he's hurt. No conspiracy here, y'all. The KC Currents. Uh, I was supposed to play in the media game on Friday, but as I mentioned, I was sick. You might still be able to hear my voice a little bit. It was a 1-1 draw. My team that I was not on came back and tied it late. I know you all care about this. I really only want to share it because I think the other team kind of outplayed my team. They probably should have won. That's where all my colleagues from the KC Soccer Journal were on. And what's up with me getting picked to the other team two media games in a row? I'm starting to think people don't like me. Uh, anyways, uh, our daughter was really disappointed that we didn't get to go to the game. And I was like, really? And she goes, oh, I just wanted to see you embarrass yourself playing soccer. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so you didn't care about the, the missing the current game. You cared about me not getting to embarrass myself. So, you know, I rested up next year. I'm going to be fit for next year's game. Sheena, hold, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out. I promise. All right. Okay. Uh, I got to give our quick messy update for the week. Uh, they're playing oh here in, in a second. So we don't know what the result is against their LAFC game, but they draw. They had a draw on Wednesday against Nashville. No goals, 0 0 on the road. So finally, Messi didn't score or assist in a game and didn't get a win, even if it was via PK shootout a few times during that League's Cup. So that's good stuff. And because Sporting are playing Miami next week, this feels extra relevant. Nine. Players from Miami were called up for international duty, Messi, of course, but then also Ascona, Calendar, Kromeski, Gomez, Christoph, Martinez, Ruiz, and Taylor. Five or six of those guys, give or take or starters. Shout out to Kay Gumminger on Twitter, who uh, sent me that list of everybody. But yeah, uh, that could be pretty bad. Although, Shane, I have to tell you, right before we started recording this podcast, I saw a report that they might release Messi from international duty before the next game. So he might be back. He might play in the sporting game, which, you know, there's all these people that were trying to go down to that game. And there was like a lottery for sporting KC fans to get tickets. And I'm like, don't apply for the lottery. Messi's not going to be there. Now he might be there. So I kind of hope he's not there because I want sporting to have the easiest path to victory. But if he is there, it would be really satisfying to see sporting be the first team that beat him too. So there's that. We can hope. Is there no, a chance to he, still get tickets? I mean, you I, could I'm, pay willing, the to I'm sure willing to fly. I'm willing to fly to Miami. And I'm I'm having so much draws of traveling. Um, I've, we, we, we haven't been back at the country for a month. You're having withdrawals. Oh That's my true. gosh. Anyways, all right. Couple more quick stories. The KC Current swung a big time trade this week, y'all. Twenty thousand dollars in allocation money to Angel City to get an international roster spot to fit Claire Lavoger back in. The current also had three players on the August best 11, AD French, Kristen Hamilton, and Lola Bonta. Kind of crazy that they had such a good month, but a lot of it was Challenge Cup games, so they don't count to the standings, which is why they're in last. And then my last item is Julie Ertz, formerly Julie Johnson of Mesa, Arizona, where we used to live. Well, we didn't live in Mesa, but I think she's from Mesa. Uh, She retired from professional soccer just before Angel City played the current, probably because she feared them. That's probably what it was, the last place team. Probably. Oh, so she's not even finishing the season out? I I mean, if she was, she wasn't in that game. I I took it as like an immediate retirement. Oh. Kind of weird, right? Rapino's kind of doing a retirement tour, but I think she's gone. Like she she wasn't there. At least she wasn't in the lineup. Um. Oh, uh, were you going to talk about, uh, was it Kristen Edmonds who left on a stretcher? Did I get the name wrong? Yeah, that's right. Kristen Edmonds, former KC current player. She did leave on a stretcher last night. She plays for Gotham now, where Lynn Williams, former current player, plays. Uh, I didn't get an update. Did you see anything about what happened to her? I didn't, but she got injured playing last night, and she was carried off onto a stretcher. It seemed pretty serious based off of what I was seeing online, but she did give a thumbs up as she was being carted off, which seems a little promising, but I haven't heard anything more. I just wanted to make sure we covered it. Yeah, I now I feel like we're letting people down because we don't know well, what in the world's going on not, with her. So There may not be an update, but I have one more thing that somebody sent to me on Twitter. Okay. So... 
there, you know, I love a good ranking and MLSnetwork.com gave a ranking of the top 100 MLS players of the last 10 years. Do you know who number 100 is on the list? I I'll do give you because of the link. I oh. saw it. Yeah. So okay. you just say it. Okay. So number 100 on the list is our very own Johnny Effing Russell. He, I don't know if there was anybody else because I just saw the link right before we started recording. But yeah, Johnny Russell, top 100 MLS players of the last 10 years. Do you feel like that's a good spot for him? Or do you feel like he should have been ranked higher? I would really have to look at the list to to know i i didn't okay. look at it i just saw the tweet right before we recorded and i was like oh don't have time the, the pod's already too long <laughs> and here it is sneaking into the end anyways um i don't know okay. but you know what's a fun thing i wanted to share is that there's a twitter user that i saw this tweet that said you know they say jfr jfr right because they'll mm-hmm. johnny f and russell uh this this lady kate brummel at kate underscore brummel she tweeted out a picture of i would assume her daughter saying she thinks Johnny's middle name is Frederick, and I don't have the heart to tell her otherwise. <laughs> and I thought that was really great because she's like smiling and holding her little sporting flag. So that That's made me cute. laugh. I saw that too, and I thought that was really cute and very innocent. Yes, uh, we can all use some innocence in our life, right? All right, y'all. Let's talk about this schedule that's coming up this week. Lots of soccer to watch. The KC Current do have at least one important game. They're going to play the North Carolina Courage on Wednesday. It's a home match. Go out and support the ladies. Chance to win a trophy. Chance to win a million dollars. Still on the line. Uh, 7 p.m. on Wednesday. School night. But it'll be fine. It's worth it. You know, let the let the kids miss school. You know, get a note from the Current. <laughs> We're not going to do that, oh, by boy. the way. Our kids definitely yeah. going to school. <laughs> Uh, but I, I stay up late anyway, so it'll be fine for me. Uh, the U.S. men's national team are back in action. They're playing Uzbekistan in St. Louis, if you want to go watch them right across the state, Saturday, September 9th, 4.30 in the afternoon. So you'll still have a chance to get out of there, hit up a bar, because I'm sure there's a bar in St. Louis showing the Sporting KC at Inter-Miami game, 6.30 on Saturday night, a little earlier than we're used to, but one of the rare East Coast trips on the year. And then finally, SKC2 are playing the Chicago Fire 2 at uh, Swope Soccer Village. It's not at Rock Chalk Park anymore. Last two home games are right here in KC if you want to go check them out. Uh, They're actually playing literally right this minute, so I don't know how their Sunday night game went. I'm going to go watch it because it's probably going to kick off like any second now. If you've made it this far and you have not already, please subscribe to this podcast. Tell your soccer friends, like, hey, we like these two goofy humans that talk about soccer and nonsense and other things. Come join us. (laughs) we got a new review. Oh, well, break in right now, because I was just going to tell people they should review the podcast. Okay, well, why don't you do that while I pull it up? I completely forgot until you said it. I like how you cut me off to say it. So I want you all to go search for The Glory KC on iTunes. You can write a review on Spotify. You cannot write one, but you can give us five stars. That helps people find it. I think you can only do it in the Spotify mobile app. Click the three dots. Sheena, are you ready? Yes, and I personally really like this review because it's mostly about me. Fun and easy. (laughs) I don't think this person realizes their reviews about me, but it's fun and easy listening. It's from Paramedic one five nine zero zero. So thank you for your work. But anyways, they say I follow multiple SKC and soccer podcasts. This has to be one of the better podcasts in regards to quality of editing and linguistic skills. There isn't a bunch of stammering and excessive use of filter words such as, um, I appreciate it. Keep up the quality work. So thank you. Hey, there Paramedic we go. You are 15900. It's true. And I really do try my best to make it sound as good as possible since I can't deliver in like my information as a casual fan. So I feel like I really step up the game with the editing or I at least try to. No, I think that's fair. That said, we haven't edited in like three or four weeks. We're just doing light editing and publishing. So hopefully but it's still, still, maybe we're just prepared and we don't uh, and um too much. As I almost said, um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel like I try to take out long pauses and I do work with the volume. So hopefully the volume issues aren't too bad. And if they are, let me know so I can readjust what I'm doing. I, I need that feedback to make this a pleasant experience for y'all. But I, I know what that reviewer is talking about. And I'm not going to slander any other podcasts because I listen to a lot of podcasts, but the ones that do 
have those long pauses or the 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 stuttering oh it's like it's painful to listen to i'm like just just edit it out it hurts my ears but i still listen so they're not it's clearly not affecting them anyways i feel like it takes me out of a podcast when i hear long pauses that's like my complaint i can probably get through the uhs and the ums but the long pauses are i'm like oh is it over with like that kind of thing i totally get it yep i i never know it's like hard to know when to break in and stuff sometimes too right with the long pauses so yeah Yeah. i get it all right y'all if you have any constructive criticism for us as we're judging other people right now you can follow us on social media and reach us directly for the glory casey yeah, constructive. I said constructive. It's okay. I you can still, you know, be like, okay, friendly criticism, whatever you want to call it. Oh, keep keep <laughs> jumping in there, Sheena. That changed my words. Okay. <laughs> so you're talking about our linguistic skills, and now we're talking over each other constantly. I wouldn't say I have that. I could barely get the word out. So I'm sure it was for me. I like to use words even when I don't know what they mean. <laughs> so, anyways, at For the Glory Casey on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Threads. I posted on Threads this week, so don't call me out on it. Oh, good. You can email us for the glory at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Play for 90. This is the longest outro in the history of outros to play <laughs> us out. Here's Christian Leo with Write It Like You Meet It. Take care, everybody. Bye.